And we're on. Hey. Hey, what's up? Nothing. Okay. Hey, you know, we have to talk about this. Because oh. it's been on my mind all week. <laughs> this is the first thing. Okay, I made a huge mistake Basically, last week. what happened was I'm always right. Okay, so that's so. 3,001 to zero. So, yes, you win. I'm stupid. It is indict. I should have known that. I don't know how I didn't Not know that. Not indict. Yes. It's tricky. That's a tricky one. But if you go back and think I'm stupid, I hope you still keep listening to us. I learned from my mistakes. I don't blame you if you don't. <laughs> yeah, that's because they don't want to listen to you. You know what? At least I know how to pronounce it. Okay, indict. whatever. <laughs> Anyways. So, okay. I just had to get that off my chest. <laughs> Going the next, forward. The next morning, we woke up. My friend, Liz, hey, texted me, and she was like, no, you were right. It's pronounced indict. And I told Brandon, and he was like, do you still love me even though I'm stupid? <laughs> and then my brother also texted me almost shortly after. Hey, yeah, so, yeah, okay. It's okay. It happens. Yeah. I should have known that. Stupid. I it's know. one of those tricky um, Latin Yeah, but we're, we're talking about law and stuff with this a lot. I should have known that. I it just. Do you know? Are you a lawyer? No, but we talk about uh, legal terms. You know, like because they get arrested and. Listen, I don't okay. know what half the shit means. So. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, I had to get that off my Saul chest, again. and my listeners have to know, or our listeners have to know. Yeah. Sorry. What? That <laughs> I'm not that stupid, and I'm. Admit that I was wrong. We're so college-educated young people. I was acting like you were wrong when I was the wrong one. So there we go. It's okay. And everybody that thought I was stupid, I'm sorry. I let you down. <laughs> so anyways, okay. Off my chest. Now, what are we doing? Well... It was the what murders that you least expect oh, to the happen. Oh, the whatever. murderers who you least expect to murder. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, right. okay. Uh, I think I went first last time. It doesn't matter. I don't, I don't care. I can go. You can go. Mine's Say pretty a number pretty one long. through five on three. Ready? What? Okay. Say a number Are, one through five. How do I know five. you don't change it? Say a number one through five. Three, two, one, go. Four. Oh, <laughs> no, after go. Okay, no, wait, on go, on go. Okay, say number one through ten. Three, two, one, One seven. through ten. <laughs> <laughs> you should have said a number one through ten. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, okay. No, no, you should try seven, I'll try uh, four. No, if we would have said the same but number. But how do I know that, that you're not going to change the number? That doesn't even make sense. I'll go okay. first. This All doesn't right. matter. Okay. I really don't even know what I Sorry, was Sorry, guys. To we do. just argued. Okay. Why do you choose to listen to that's us? I have our, no idea. That's what our arguments sound like. Say a number on go. Okay. The, oh, squeak, squeak. Mm. Yeah, it was the chair, I'm sure. If my farts sound like wood popping, that's, <laughs> that's an issue. Yeah, that okay. would be your hemorrhoids popping then. All three of them. <laughs> um. <clears throat> the ointment doesn't work. Okay, so. Okay. When I thought of murderers who you would least suspect, I thought of maybe like, you know, like a child killer, like a child that kills, not a person who kills children. 
But we already did that. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to try something new. So, Brandon. Yeah. I hear you typing over there. Are you listening? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm checking something. Have you something. ever heard yeah. of the brand Lululemon? What? Yeah. You have? Yeah, they sponsor um, Ken Roxon, actually. Oh, I don't care. Um, you know, pro motocross racer. Yeah, I don't care. But they, they sponsor him. Like, yeah. So you've heard of it? Yeah, yes, I've heard what of it. What do you think of when you hear Lululemon? Uh, high price clothes. Ken Roxon. Yeah, okay. What else? Uh, high price clothes. Exactly. Clothes. 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 I said. Okay. Here we so go with the words again. It's actually uh, pronounced clothes. I'm. I we're getting into the wrong thing here. Um, I. So I, suck at I this. decided to do my least suspected suspect on the Lululemon murder case. Okay. Okay. But what what am I supposed to be thinking of? Something else. No, I was just seeing if you knew what it was. Oh. Um, okay, so it's kind of weird. I did not mean to do this, but this actually, this murder actually occurred on March 12th of 2011. Oh, what? So exactly eight years ago today. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do I mean? Oh, wait, it's May 12th. <laughs> uh, that's why I was like, what? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, well. Uh, just kidding. Okay. Hey, at least you didn't argue with... With the month, I like literally I, have like March written down, and I oh. still thought it was today. Yeah. Just kidding. Okay, so eight years and two months to yeah. this day. Uh huh. Right. Mm, yes, two months. Yeah. Okay. So, Detective Dimitri Rubin got a call about nine thirty in the morning, saying that um, the manager of the local Lululemon had gone into work to open the store that morning, um, but she had found the front door unlocked. And two seemingly dead bodies in the back of the store. Um, both of the victims had been sexually assaulted, and one victim had been rushed to the hospital because she was still breathing. No. Um, but unfortunately, the other one was dead on the scene. Mm. So the officer later found out that the robbery at the local Lululemon was in Bethesda, Maryland. Um, Wait, what did I just say? Bethesda, Maryland? Oh, yeah. It was a robbery that had gone awry at the Lululemon in Bethesda, Ma mm. Maryland. Um, so Bethesda, Maryland is a predominantly rich, white, upper class. It's like right outside of D.C. Mm -hmm. um, city. So crimes like this, like, never happen there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was unheard of. So naturally... Everyone in the city is, like, shook that shook this happened. It. Yeah, after it occurred, sales in stores went down about 50%. That's crazy. Yeah, uh, because everyone <laughs> was so freaked out. Um, so police quickly found out that two victims, um, that the two victims found in the store were, they were both employees of the Lululemon who had closed the night before. Um, the victim that was still alive at the scene and in the hospital was 29-year-old Brittany Norwood. Um, and the deceased victim was 30-year-old Jaina Murray. Um, the police and the detectives that had investigated the scene said the trauma that was, inflicted, that was inflicted on Jaina mm -hmm. was the worst that they had ever seen. Huh. In any case. Um, medical examiners found that she had 
331 separate wounds on her body. Oh, my gosh. Um, so this documentary I watched, they were talking to a forensic analyst in it, and he said that um, with a with a murder that typically with a murder that is done out of extreme anger yeah. um, or passion or something, mm-hmm. some murder that's committed out of extreme anger, yeah, extreme passion, something, there is usually about 50 wounds. That's crazy. This... 331. Yeah. Um, Little excessive. Yeah. So some of the weapons that were used on Jaina and found at the scene included a wrench, a hammer, a piece of metal clothing rack, a clothing hanger, a knife, paintbrushes, box cutters, and more. Wow. Um, Yeah. Medical examiners also found that she was alive up until the last blow. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Yeah. The last blow was to the back of her head, and it severed her brainstem. Wow. So that was the one that ultimately yeah, that, caused her yeah. death. But they, she was alive. I don't know if yeah. she was conscious, but she was alive up until... Yeah. yeah they said it, it took over 10 minutes for all these wounds to be inflicted. Because, like, once your body maybe in, it endures so much pain that it actually just... You go unconscious. Shuts yeah. Off. yeah. Yep. So, 331. That's crazy. Wounds. That's... Extremely excessive. Extremely excessive. Okay. So in the documentary I watched, um, it actually focused on, like, the lead detective of the case mm-hmm. and, like, his perspective of it. It was really cool. It was a good one. Um, so the detective who worked on the murder, Dimitri Reuven, he said um, that in the building there was a back hallway in the store, and at the end of the hallway was the exit to the building, so, like, the back, the back exit. Um, to the building. So, back of the store, long hallway, door at the end of the hallway. Yeah. Jaina's body was found at the very end of the hallway by the door, um, laying face down with bloody footprints leading up to her body, bloody prints on the push bar of the door, and with keys in the door's lock hmm. to, like, turn the alarm off. Yeah. Um, so, that showed that, like, Jaina almost got out of the building. She was right there. That's crazy. Um, but she... Unfortunately, did not. Um, so while the surviving victim, Brittany, was in the hospital, um, a detective was sent to interview her about what happened that night. And she said that her and Jaina closed the store together around 9. They left the store at about 9.45. And um, Brittany made her way to the metro. Jaina made her way to her car to go home. Um, Brittany realized that she didn't have her Metro card, so she called Jaina, and she was like, hey, can you meet me back at the store? I think I left my Metro card in the back. I need to get it. Um, So she met her back at the store. Jaina unlocked it. um, And they left the back door unlocked while they looked for the Metro card. Um, They looked for it for about 10 minutes, and as they were leaving the store, they were going back out the back door, um, there were two men standing there in front of the door uh, with ski masks on. So you could just see their eyes. Yeah. Did they get um, this on, like, surveillance or something? No, there were actually no surveillance cameras um, on the entire street. That's weird. Because it was Bethesda, Maryland. Nothing like this ever happens. Yeah. Um, there was only one security camera on the entire block, and that was... Um, there was an Apple store literally connected to the Lululemon, like, 
literally right next to it. Uh-huh. That and makes sense. And they had, they had one um, security camera outside, and that was it. But it like that Apple store did. Yeah, but I was, was gonna say there's no way an Apple store didn't. Yeah, but it was too far away to. Right um, to see to yeah. see anything. Yeah. So. She said that. So Brittany said that like. The in the interview with the detective while she was in the hospital, she said that um, the men like grabbed Jaina by the hair and dragged her away, um, like down the hallway. They took her into a separate room. They like sexually assaulted them, and then they beat Jaina to death. And then they like made Brittany like lay on top of Jane. I don't know. It was very strange. Um, so they found. Um, Detectives, when they were searching the crime scene, found a male's size 14 tennis shoe footprint um, that had been tracked throughout the crime scene. Was fucking Shaq there or something? <laughs> 14, that's huge. Um, and they then found the shoes in the store. So, like, they had been taken off. Oh. And they were in the store. That's weird. And they were covered in blood. Oh. Oh, okay. That Okay. Um. So, the tennis shoe that... The tennis shoe that matched the prints, you know, the tennis shoe that they found, um, was actually one that the store kept for people. It was like a sample shoe. The store kept it for people to try on with the pants so that when they alter them, they, like, do where they wanted them based Mm. off the tennis Mm -hmm. shoe. Um, And the shoe had been walked around the store to appear as if it was someone's footprint or shoe print. Wow. Yeah, so no one was actually wearing it. Um, it was just made to look like someone was walking around with it on. Right. Um, so police find Jaina's vehicle um, that she had driven back. So she had driven her vehicle back to meet Brittany to unlock the store mm-hmm. so she could go get her Metro card. But then when they showed up at the crime scene, Jaina's car was nowhere to be found. So they find it, like, a few blocks over or whatever. They impound it. They test it. And they find blood on the gear shifter, on the steering wheel. And they find a Lululemon hat in the back seat with blood on the inside of the band that matched a cut that Brittany had on her forehead. Hmm. So, like, the placement of the cut right. was where blood would have been gotten on a hat if you were to put it on. Right. Um. So, a few days later, um, rape kits that were done on both Brittany and Jaina had come back negative, even though Brittany said they had been sexually assaulted. So, they weren't. There was no evidence of them being sexually assaulted based off of these rape kits. Um, So, yeah, meaning they were never sexually assaulted. Yeah. I mean, on their side, though, they went through a lot of trauma. So, like... mm. You don't really know what the fuck happens to you. Right. You know. So at this point, detectives are like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, so about a week after the murder, Brittany Norwood requests a meeting with detectives because she had recalled some more details about the night of the murder. Um, so in the meeting, she said that the two men who had committed the crime made her move Jaina's car. Um, and they said that if she told anyone, if she flagged anyone down, if she ran off and didn't come back, they would find her and they would kill her. Um, so detectives were like, hmm. And during this same meeting 
the detectives were basically like, you know, Brittany, there comes a time when everyone has to get things off of their chest. Um, we know that you did this, and um, we know that all your wounds that you have are self-inflicted. What? And she was like, no, no, this, these two men came and attacked us, and they killed Jaina, and they attacked me. Um, so <coughs> she sticks to her story. Um, her brother, who had come with her to the station or whatever, yeah, um, is like, hey, can I speak with my sister in private? Um, apparently, they have no idea how um, interrogation rooms or one-way mirrors work uh, because her brother is dummies. Yeah, it's on video. It's like recorded. Like, yeah, I watched the video, and her brother's sitting there, and he's like, Brittany, I need you to tell me if you did this or not because if you did, we need to get you a lawyer. And Brittany said, I don't want to talk about it here. Which, uh, if you were innocent, Oh, that's all she said? Yeah. Oh, I was thinking it was like her full confession that she told her brother. No, but she said her brother was like, I'm not going to rat you out. I just need you to tell me. Yeah. And she was like, I don't want to talk about it. Well, I mean... If you're innocent, though, wouldn't you say, no, I didn't do this? Yeah, but you're supposed to not say... Regardless, you don't say anything there because... Just because one word they can twist and they'll just run with it. So, mm-hmm. so, I mean, I see what you're saying, but you're just not. If you watch that uh, that one movie, The Night of, or that one show, The Night of, mm-hmm. on HBO, I keep telling you to watch. Yeah. Like, it goes into depth about that, like how he doesn't want any, he doesn't even want them to say one word to any police officer because he just, they can run with it and he doesn't want, he doesn't want to deal with that. He says the better they don't, the less they know, then the more you can actually get away. Yeah. And I wouldn't ruin it because it would give it away, but it's really good. Yeah. It's really good. Anyways. So, based off of this, what she said to her brother, based off the fact that all of her wounds were self-inflicted, um, the fact that it was Jaina's blood found in Jaina's car, mm-hmm. the fact that the tennis shoe was a sample that was already in the store that had just been staged to look like someone was wearing it. The fact that all of the murder weapons were weapons that were already inside the store. Yeah. And the fact that... um, Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. When they found... (laughs) When they found Brittany's body, she was in a bathroom zip-tied by her feet and her hands, and her hands were up above her head, and they found teeth marks in the um, in the zip-tie, meaning she tightened it herself. Right. Um, so they arrest her and charge her with first-degree murder of Jaina Murray. Um, huh. So after they arrest her, they get in contact with all the people, like her family, her friends, her coworkers, all that, they interviewed them. They find out that there's apparently a pattern of theft in Brittany's life. Um, theft from her family members, her friends, um, and she was even kicked off her college soccer team for stealing from her teammates. What? Yeah. Um, so, uh, oh, I just skipped an entire paragraph I written. So after they arrest Brittany, they start looking into her past, interview her coworkers, I just said that. Um, they found out that Brittany actually had been transferred from a different store, and all of a sudden, after she started at this new Lululemon, cash from the register starts disappearing, personal items from people's purses start disappearing, 
Um, and the store manager of the Lululemon said that on the night of Jaina's murder, Jaina had found a pair of Lululemon leggings in Brittany's bag. It's crazy to think Lululemon doesn't have any... Oh, they do now. Um, Security cameras? Yeah. yeah, but before, I mean, I don't know. Even yeah. if it doesn't happen in the town, like... You would think. Like on a cash register, you would have cameras, you know? Yeah, you'd um, think. Yeah. Um, but no, they didn't. And, okay, what's really funny, so if you go on YouTube and you just look up, like, Lululemon murder, the first video that pops up... Um, <laughs> What? It's so, I watched like two minutes of it. It's so bad. It's so bad. The acting's horrible. I'm sorry for oh, anyone. Oh, is it like it. a It's a reenactment depiction? video. Or, yeah. yeah, it's a depiction. And um, <laughs> the funniest part about it is they're reenacting the scene where Jaina apparently like finds the merchandise in Britney's bag and confronts her about it. Uh-huh. And in this video, I'm not laughing at, what actually happened? I'm laughing at the depiction. <laughs> she finds these leggings in Brittany's bag and pulls the leggings out and looks at the tag that's still on them, and it says $15. No. <laughs> the leggings are $15. Oh. And I was like, not in a Lululemon. Yeah, not in a... Oh, I thought it was... No, ma'am. Oh, okay. I thought it was going to be kind of like our... Uh, that one documentary we saw <laughs> on Netflix. <laughs> the paranormal one? Yeah, yeah. So there's this one on Netflix that we were watching, and um, they they were talking about a picture frame on a wall. Like flying off of a wall yeah, and hitting someone. It, it flew off the wall and hit somebody in the back as they were walking away from it. And <laughs> <laughs> the editor should be fired <laughs> because you can see the hand that threw, <laughs> that threw the picture in, frame. Like, the the, of the frame, you yeah. can see like someone's been throwing the picture. Oh, yeah. uh, there's special effects. So it was funny because so we were watching that over Thanksgiving at your grandparents' house. It was just us mm-hmm. watching this, and we were laying there, and I was like, "Did you see that?" Like after it happened, yeah. and you were like, "I wasn't gonna say anything, but yeah." And then we went back, <laughs> and we laughed it so hard. We watched it like ten times. Yeah, we kept rewinding it and then watching the hand. Throw the the picture frame. Oh, it's so funny. Uh, yeah, that was good. That was good. Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, Brittany, uh, she steals a lot. Oh yeah. Um, so what they believe happened was she, Jaina, confronted her about these stolen leggings. She said, "Oh no, someone else rang me up about it." Or oh my god, someone else rang <laughs> me up for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they go their separate ways. Jaina calls her manager, tells her about it. Brittany goes, oh, no, I'm going to be caught. Oh. Lures her back to the store. Wow. And in a fit of emotional rage, probably hurts her, or maybe doesn't mean to kill her. Yeah. But probably, like, maybe stabs her with something or something, and then just kind of snaps and keeps going. Um, so, on November 11th, 2011, Brittany Norwood was found guilty of first-degree murder and was sentenced to life without parole. Yeah, as she should. Yeah. Um, so, a psych eval was done at the time of the trial, and it said that Brittany did not meet the criteria for being criminally insane because she was fully aware of what she, fully aware of what she did. Yeah. Of the consequences of the situation. Except 300 and something times. That's oh. insane. Yeah. 
but she did suffer. They said she did suffer from a case of major depression that would benefit from medication, which like getting line sister, mm-hmm. we all have. Well, I, I'm mm-hmm. not downplaying mental illness. I mean, go see someone, get medication, go to therapy. I do all three of those things. It's great. But come on. Come on, we don't murder someone and stab them over 300 times because we have depression. Yeah. Because or you were caught stealing $15 pants. <laughs> well, more like probably 100 Yeah, I know. I'm just yes. joking. It was funny because like in the hospital scene where like the detective's interviewing Brittany and she tells her that Jane is dead, like the depiction of it mm-hmm. was... It was like fake. Her overreaction oh, to the yeah. news is, oh, it's difficult to watch. Yeah. I was like, ooh, ooh, mm. stop, stop. But yeah. Um, so there was a book written about the case by Peter Ross Range titled Murder in the Yoga Store. And there's an episode of Snapped on the Oxygen Channel about it. So hmm. um, I first heard of this on My Favorite Murder. It was like one of their earlier episodes. Um Messed up. The whole Lululemon company is messed up, but... Why? Because they overcharge for a lot of things? And they're, like, kind of racist, I think. Oh, I don't know. Um, I have no idea about them. But, yeah, that I I picked the Lululemon murder because you would never expect um, a yoga store worker to be someone to murder someone so brutally. Yeah, but, I mean, it's... It's retail, you know. You're going to get... Like, Mad enough to kill someone? No, 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 no. I mean, like, you're not going to get... It, it's all retail. You're not going to get, like, higher class. Oh, yeah. You know, like... You know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. Right. So, you can't really... Yeah. Anyways. So, yeah, that's the Lululemon murder case. That's ridiculous. Okay. Even the police in the case didn't suspect Brittany for yeah. like a week. So. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, mine is uh, very long, and we are at 9.35, which is an hour and a half. We should be finishing Game of Thrones by now, so I will try to beast through this one. Okay. So then we can watch Game of Thrones. We are, well, I went to see my Maja today, so it's kind of busy today. Got a late start to this. Mother's Day, in case you're watching this. Um, yeah. Or uh, listening to this. Yep. Later. All right. So, I did H.H. Holmes because yeah. I thought it was interesting because, like, he had this building that you didn't know was, I guess, in a way, his murder weapon or, you know, um, yeah. So, he was born on May 16th, 1861, in Gilmanton, New Hampshire. He was born Herman Webster Mudgett. Uh, His parents were descended from the first English immigrants in the area, which I thought was an interesting fact. So um, So am I. Fun fact. James Pennington, Jamestown Settler. Or no, Robert Pennington, Jamestown Settler, Virginia. They were the first English immigrants? Well, Jamestown was the first colony. Yeah, but his parents were the first English immigrants in the area. Oh. Like oh, I see. He was... Never mind. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he, had t- 
he had two older siblings and an older sister, um, and he, who was Ellen, and his older brother was Arthur. Two younger brothers, Henry, or sorry, one younger brother, Henry, and a younger sister, Mary. Uh, he worked as a farmer with his father, his Faja, um, who was also a trader, or he worked as a trader and a house painter. Trader. Uh, <laughs> uh, he was younger. Um, so when he was younger, he was actually known to torture animals, and um, his father was known to uh, like abuse him. Which that he wet the bed and lit fires. Yeah, which I thought was interesting though, is because like usually it's a mother that causes like the whole issue with serial killers. It's not. Uh, no, I don't think so. Are you sure? I, I thought it was abuse of any kind. Oh, really. I thought it was like mostly mothers that were like the abusive ones to the future serial killer yeah the known serial killers no i don't think it matters yeah okay anyways because i mean ed gein he was abused by his father oh physically and then emotionally by his mom but oh okay this is a whole other topic let's just okay anyways never mind it's just a fact it's not an interesting fact then it is interesting well so he graduated from high school at the age of 16 maybe it was different back then i'm not sure um it didn't say anything special about it Um, he took teaching jobs in Gilmanton and uh, later in nearby Alton, Illinois. <gasps> what? Yeah. That's oh, like close just, to here. just, just you wait. Oh no. Uh, so on this hits closer to home than I thought later on. So, cause the house was built in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if you yeah, knew that. Knew oh, okay. That. But it, it gets into St. Louis later. <gasps> So, July 4th, 1878, he married Clara Lovering, Lovering in... Run. Uh, what? Run. Oh. Run, Clara. In, in Alton. So, he got married in Alton on July 4th. I wonder if they had the... Uh, fireworks? Fireworks. Probably. But uh, they had a uh, son, Robert... Isn't it weird how we finish each other's... Sentences? Oh, my God. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to shut up. All right. Keep going. They had a Robert, Lo- <laughs> they had a son Robert Lover Lovering Mudgett, who was born on February third, eighteen eighty, in Loudon, New Hampshire. Um, later, we like they don't really talk much about his kids. Like they they all grew up and seemed to like kind of get away from his dad, their dad, but it doesn't say like why or anything. Probably because he was yeah. a murderer. Ru- well. They didn't know at the time, and this was before he was, whenever this dude was born. So Robert grew up to be an accountant and served as a city manager in Orlando, Florida. Holmes then went to college in the University of Vermont in Burlington, Vermont, at the age of 18. He was dissatisfied with school and left after one year. (laughs) Yeah, school sucks. He went to... uh, he then went to University of Michigan um, Department of Medicine and Surgery, where then he later graduated in, graduated in June 1884. While enrolled, he worked in the anatomy lab under Professor Herman, and then, um, then he worked under the chief anatomy instructor. Holmes uh, was an apprentice in New Hampshire under Dr. Nahum, Nahum White, and um, 
he was a noted advocate of human dissection. Yeah. Years later, when Holmes was suspected of murder and claimed to be nothing but an insurance fraudster, he admitted to using cadavers to defraud life insurance companies several times in college. So he's already, like, messing with bodies and trying to get his own benefit out of them. Holmes, um... Well, it gets you in a lot of trouble. Holmes uh, apparently was reportedly, um, he treated Clara violently. um, And she moved back to New Hampshire and later said she knew little of him afterwards. So she said she was married with him, married to him. And uh, yeah, I know. Apparently, I don't know English. So she was married to him. um, And then she said she knew little of him. And then um, there are those who think little of him. I thought of that too. How can you? Well, this is the 1800s. You kind of yeah. just marry. To yeah. Um, <coughs> so after Holmes moved to, so he moved to Moore's Forks, New York, um, and there was actually a rumor that a little boy disappeared who was seen with Holmes. Holmes claimed he went back to his home in Massachusetts. The boy did. Uh, no investigation took place, apparently, and um, then, consequently, Holmes left town. Hmm. So, coincidence? I think not. Mm-mm. He later traveled to Philadelphia um, and got a job as a keeper at Norristown State Hospital, but he quit in just a few days. Um, he took a position at a drugstore in Philadelphia. While he was working there, a boy had died from medicine that was sold from that store. Of course, Holmes denied that he had any involvement in the kid's death and again left the city. Coincidence? I think not. He changed his name to Henry Howard Holmes, H.H. Holmes, to avoid the possibility of people finding him. In a confession after his arrest, he he had claimed to have killed his former medical school classmate, Dr. Robert Leacock, in 1886 Hmm. for insurance money. I know, but uh, that later kind of plays a role into, like, how he's starting to do this later to, like, kill people and get insurance money, Hmm. which then leads to his arrest. 18, 18, what was that? I don't know. Oh. I heard a noise. 1886, while still legally married to Clara, he married, so he's still married to that Clara chick, and then he married Murda Belk. Belknap? Void. What? Void. Vo- I know. I don't... You couldn't do that nowadays. They would no. say, you're legally married to this woman. Like, how are you doing or this? Or if they didn't know, then they found out. I mean, this was the late 1800s, so I'm sure, you know, it was a little easier to do this stuff. But, yeah. He was married to, like, four people, like, at the same time. So he married Murda Belknap in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Bless you. Okay. <laughs> and he, he filed for divorce um, from Clara a few weeks after marrying Murda, allegedly alleging infidelity. But she apparently was never informed of the divorce paper, so the divorce was actually never finalized legally. Holmes then had a daughter with Murda, his new wife. 
Holmes then later had a daughter, Lucy Theodate Holmes, who was born on July 4th, 1889, in Inglewood, Chicago, Illinois. Yes, I know it's Illinois. Are you sure? Yeah. This one, I'm sure of. We know it's tricky. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I deserve it. The Lucy became tribe. Lucy became a school teacher. <laughs> she later became a school teacher. Why? Um, maybe what she liked to do. Ugh. Holmes lived with Murda and Lucy in Wilmette, Illinois. He spent most of his time in Chicago tending to businesses. <clears throat> Holmes also married Georgiana Yoke on January 17, 1894, in Denver, Colorado, while still married to both Clara and Murda legally. Um, so, yeah. Hmm. I know. Uh, so, Dr. Henry Howard Holmes, uh, of course, H.H. Holmes. So, after he was arrested, he confessed to 27 murders. Um, but only nine were actually confirmed. He claimed to have killed more, but they were actually... So, like, he claimed that he killed these people, but they were actually able to find these people, and, um, like, he was actually still alive. Um, so, but they think that he actually killed nearly 200 people, which many of his victims were uh, killed in his mixed-use building, which will talk about later oh, yeah. uh, located uh, three miles west of the um, 1893 World's Fair Columbian Exposition uh, the building was known to be called the World's Fair Hotel informally informally the murder hotel evidence shows that the part of the hotel was never open for business H.H. H. Holmes was known to be the subject of 50 or more lawsuits in Chicago alone um, so then, you know, we'll obviously talk about this later, but he was executed on May 7th, 1896, which was nine days before his 35th birthday, uh, for the murder of his friend and accomplice, Benjamin Peitzel. Peitzel, Peitzel. During his trial for Peitzel is where he confessed to many other murders. So, like, he was actually, he was caught for uh, a murder of just, like, one person, and it was fraud, insurance fraud. And then that's actually where he confessed to everything else. And then they started to look into his building. So he was actually like never, he would have got away with this castle thing for a while. So, so the murder castle. So Holmes arrived in Chicago in August, 1886. Um, and he, he came across Elizabeth S. Holton's drugstore at the Southwest corner of South Wallace Avenue and West 63rd Street in Inglewood. Holton uh, gave Holmes a job, and he reportedly was a good employee. He eventually ended up buying that store uh, where he worked at. The and ultimate flex. Yeah. <laughs> well, then he purchased an empty lot across from the drugstore where construction began in 1886 for a two-story mixed-used building with apartments on the second floor and retail spaces, including a new drugstore on the first. Holmes refused to pay for the materials and labor in 1888 so that the uh, company um, called Aetna, Aetna Iron and Steel sued. 
1892, he added a third floor, telling investors and suppliers that he intended to use it as a hotel during the upcoming World's Columbian Exposition, though the hotel portion, like I said, was never completed. Furniture suppliers uh, found Holmes was actually hiding their materials, which the ones that he never paid for, in hidden rooms and passages throughout the building. Rooms were soundproofed and mazes of hallways were actually, they led to nowhere. Many of the rooms were outfitted with chutes and that would drop straight down to the basement where Holmes had acid vats, quick lime, and crematorium to dispose of the victims' bodies. What? So, yeah, so they would like walk in like, uh, say they'd walked into a room, then it would just drop off and then go into like an acid vat. So when this happened, um, the, the articles I was looking at didn't say this, but I know, I think I, I saw a documentary on this a couple of years ago, but apparently, so he would hire a construction company to do this work and then he would like fire them shortly after and then hire a new one so that like they couldn't, they didn't understand what they were actually doing. So like they couldn't get suspicious and then say, hey, this guy's doing some shit, like weird shit here. Like, he would say, hey, this is your project, do this, and then he would fire him shortly after they made a little progress and then hire another one. Hmm. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. So after uh, articles spread about the home, Holmes was, um, he was then obviously investigated. The hotel, um, so there was a fire that broke out, um, and... So the, the hotel was actually gutted, um, and there was uh, it was caused by an unknown arsonist. And um, so it was rebuilt as a post office, um, which was used until 1938. So, yeah. So now we get into some of his murder victims. One of Holmes' early murder victims was his mistress, Julia Smythe. He was, uh, she was the, or sorry, she was the wife of Ned Connor, who moved into Holmes's building and began working at his farm, at his pharmacy's jewelry counter. Um, after Ned found out, he moved away, leaving Julia and their daughter behind uh, with H. H. Holmes and her. They both apparently went missing on Christmas Eve, 1891. Holmes later said that she died during an abortion operation. But what happened to the daughter? We don't know. Um, then there's uh, another one. Her, some of these weirds are, these names are weird. Emmeline Sigrande? Sigrand? Yeah, well, that's not it. But began working in the building uh, May 1892, um, and she also disappeared in December. Edna Van Tassel is also believed to have disappeared as well. Um, it's probably somewhere around that time. While working in the chemical bank building on Dearborn Street, Holmes met and became close friends with Peitzel, a, uh, who was a carpenter uh, with a criminal past who, had, who was exhibiting in the same building um, with a coal bin he had invented. What? What? I'm just looking at pictures of the murder castle, and it's oh. pretty terrifying. Yeah. Uh, an actor, Minnie Williams, who moved to Chicago, had apparently met Holmes uh, at an appointment office 
Rumors say that they possibly met in Chicago years before. Or, no, I got that wrong. They met in New York. I think it was New York. That that was wrong. I had that written down wrong. Um, Holmes offered her a job as a, it was a stenographer, and she accepted. I think that's how you say it, stenographer. It, it's, I looked it up. It was like short, you pretty much like transcribe like in shorthand for someone. Um, Holmes persuaded Williams to transfer uh, the deed to her property in Fort Worth, Texas to a man named Alexander Bond, which turned out to be one of Holmes's aliases. Holmes and Williams apparently presented themselves as... So he's getting into this fraud shit again. He presented themselves as husband and wife, then rented an apartment in Chicago's Lincoln Park. Which, Lincoln Park, Mm -hmm. is spelled L-I-N-C-O-L-N instead of L-I-N-K-I-N, like Mm -hmm. the band. Mm -hmm. So when the band actually... This is an interesting fact. Copyright laws. Yeah, when the band named their original name, it was Lincoln with an L in it, you know, yeah. spelled like that. And then they ended up getting, like, they said, you can't do this because we have this. Yeah. And so then they had, to, they had to change it. Yeah. So it was in that, like, documentary I had in, like, uh, third grade. <laughs> I probably still have it somewhere. Anyways, so Minnie's... Uh, Sister Nanny came to visit, and in July, she wrote to her aunt that she had planned to accompany uh, Brother Harry to Europe. Neither Minnie nor Nanny were seen alive after July 5th, 1983, um, which was um, that chick's kids. Based on Holmes' former medical education and his connections, he was able to sell skeletons, skeletons to medical labs and schools. He was apparently accused of stripping the flesh off of bodies, dissecting them, and preparing the viable skeletons. The rest of the remains would be tossed in pits of lime or acid, effectively breaking down the remaining evidence. So it sounds like he, like, was kind of doing this before he even made this whole thing, you know? Yeah. Um, Insurance companies were after Holmes for the arson when his building burnt down, so he left Chicago in, in July 1894. He re- reappeared in Fort Worth and inherited property from the Williams sisters. <clears throat> so they apparently thought they see they say or some witnesses say that they saw two random people go into the building and then like run out afterwards mm-hmm. and then there was a fire shortly after. Mm-hmm. So they think that he was probably it was insurance fraud. Um, so July 1894, Holmes was arrested and incarcerated for the first time on the charge of selling mortgage goods in none other than our St. Louis, Missouri. He was bailed out, uh, bailed, he was bailed out shortly after, um, while in jail, um, and before he was bailed out, he struck up a conversation with someone named Marion Hedgepath, who was um, serving a 25-year sentence. They conjured up a plan to get $10,000 from an insurance company, which in 2018 was uh, about $290,000. So I, that's still not that much to try to do something like this um, by taking out a policy and then faking his own death. 
He promised Hedgepath a $500 commission, <laughs> which still isn't that much, in exchange for the name of a lawyer who could do this. Holmes then became in contact with an attorney in St. Louis named Jephthah Howey. Holmes' friend Peitzel, Peitzel, Peitzel agreed to fake his own death so that his wife could collect a $10,000 life insurance policy, which was split between her and Holmes. This was supposed to happen when Peitzel was set to, was set to himself, uh, he was supposed to set himself up as an investor named B.F. Perry and then be killed and disfigured in a lab explosion. Then Holmes would find a cadaver to play the role of Peitzel. So in this explosion, he would just have this other dead body there that would play the role of him. Say, oh, he died. Can I get the money? Instead, Holmes killed Peitzel by knocking him unconscious with chloroform and setting his body on fire with the use of benzene. Then later, um, evidence showed... So Okay. Evidence showed that Peitzel was hit with chloroform after Peitzel's death. Okay, this is the part I have a little, I'm a little weary on. Mm. How did they figure all this out in 1896 or 18 whatever? Imagination. Yeah, uh, science was barely a thing, and no, they could do that. Yeah, uh, you, you think? Can tell, yeah, you can tell. Like, you know what? Oh. Chloroform, yeah. it leaves traces within the nostrils. Mm. Okay. Anyways, maybe. But how would they know that he died before then? Mm, maybe the way the chloroform affects dead skin? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So then he took custody of Peitzel's three of his five children and manipulated Peitzel's wife to do so. They traveled to northern U.S. and uh, even into Canada. Holmes told Mrs. Peitzel that he was hiding in Lo- that Mr. Peitzel was hiding in London, and had her. She was trying to chase him around and find him. Um, you know, trying to see what the fuck is going on. Um, also. He lied about the location of her of the children he had, um, and let's not forget this is while Holmes is still with his current wife. Are you falling asleep? No. Are you really falling asleep? No. Oh, you look like you were falling asleep. <laughs> no. I know I'm boring, but Jesus. I am not. I was trying uh. to put the microphone on my eye because it's cold, but then I was like, oh, "It'll probably make a noise." What? <laughs> because I am huh. tired. Oh. You know when I'm you're tired, tired too, and your yeah. eyes like feel heavy yeah. and you put something cold on them and it wakes you up? Yeah. That's well, what happened. We got an hour and a half episode of this to watch here soon. I could do it. Yeah. Mm. Oh, anyways, I'm almost done. So uh, Holmes later confessed to killing Alice and Nellie. Oh, I said that earlier, which were the daughters. Yep. Um, so he put them, well, so I didn't talk about how he did it, though. He killed. He forced them into a large trunk, then cut a tiny hole in putting a, a hose inside that hole. At the end of the hose, he attached a gas line to asphyxiate the girls. He then buried their nude bodies in a cellar of his rental house at 16 St. Vincent Street in Toronto. 
Frank Geyer, a Philadelphia detective, was assigned to investigate homes and find the three missing children. He found the de- decomposed bodies of the two Pizzo girls in the cellar of the Toronto home. He then went to Indianapolis, where Holmes uh, rented a cottage before. Holmes reportedly visited a pharmacy nearby to purchase drugs, which u- he used to kill uh, Peitzel in a repair shop to sharpen the knives um, that were used to chop up the body before he burned it. The boy's teeth and bits of bone were discovered in the Holmes' chimney, but that's all they have. Holmes was finally arrested on December, no, or, sorry, November 17th, 1894, uh, after being tracked there from Philadelphia by the Pinkertons. He was held uh, for an outstanding warrant for a horse theft in Texas. What? Yeah. After the arrest, then detectives actually started to investigate the castle. October 1895, Holmes was put on trial for the murder of Benjamin Peitzel and was found guilty and later sentenced to death. Holmes confessed to 27 murders in Chicago, Indianapolis, and Toronto. Later, he was uh, he said that he was actually possessed by Satan. Mm-hmm. Um, on May 7, 1896, Holmes was hanged at Moya Mensing Prison, um, which is also known as Philadelphia County Prison, for the murder of Peitzel. So let's not forget that he was actually like put sentenced to death for that death of that one person and not um, all these other brutal murders that he committed and this whole castle. Um, so when he was hanged, uh, apparently his neck did not snap in the hanging and instead he was strangled to death slowly twitching for 15 minutes before he was pronounced dead, 20 minutes after the trap had been sprung. March 7, 1914, the Chicago Tribune reported that the death death, um, Quinlan, who was the former caretaker of the castle, um, would... Wait, hold on. Sorry, the mysterious of the Holmes Castle. Oh, the, sorry, the, the article was named The Mysterious of Holmes Castle would remain un, unexplained. Quinlan had committed suicide by taking uh, strychnine or something like that. Strychnine? Wait, anyway, he, that, that guy, there was a guy that was a caretaker of that castle. S-T-R-Y-C-H-N-I-N-E. Strychnine. That's how you say it? Strychnine? He was, he was found in his bedroom with a note that read, I couldn't sleep. So it sounds like he kind of knew he was hired to take care of these bodies in that castle. Mm-hmm. And that he couldn't, like, he couldn't deal with it anymore. Like on his conscience, you know? Relatives have said that he had been haunted for several months and was suffering from hallucinations. The building was finally torn down in 1938. Um, so in 2017, just a couple of years ago, Ahmed, uh, or yeah, allegations had said that Holmes actually escaped his execution. Holmes's body was exhumed for testing. Since his casket was kept, so he requested that the casket be kept in concrete. Yeah, 
Um, so they obviously had to break that concrete. Yeah. They had to break that concrete. Um, and they said his body actually didn't decompose normally like a normal because he was, well, he was in a, he's in concrete. So, um, it's, it, more of it is still actually there than, than what we usually would be there. Um, his clothes were still perfectly preserved, and his mustache was found to be intact. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. Uh, but I don't. I tried to look up pictures, and I couldn't find his mustache. So maybe it was like hanging somewhere else because the skin was gone. But maybe, uh-huh. it, maybe it fell like you know it off it to the side. Off of his yeah. <laughs> so like, I don't want to be a part of this man anymore. But the body was positively identified as being the that of Holmes with his teeth, and. Uh, yeah. What? Then he was reburied. That's so, crazy. Yeah. I picked it because, like, someone that goes to the extent of building a home, An or H-H not a, home. sorry, not a home, but it was this, it was like a multi-use building, so I had, like, hotels and stuff. But, like, you, you would think it's, like, like he's trying to better the community by building all these, like a pharmacy inside of it and a hotel and apartments. Like, nope. But then it's like, what the fuck? So, yep, that's it. That's, that's um, all I got. Wow. That's all I have to say about that. Wow. So, all right. What are we doing next? Oh, um, let me look. What are you, what are you looking over there? Looking at over there. Nothing. You were looking at Instagram. No, I wasn't. What? You're not paying attention? Um, we could do... Hmm. Murder-suicides? What's that? Murder-suicide? Where you murder, then you commit suicide? Oh, oh. Uh, yeah. It's not real... How about we just, like, we pick something of our own next week? Whatever. Just do whatever. Yeah. Let's do our favorite murders. Uh, yep, we're going to do that. Okay, all right. We're going to do our... I'm just trying to think of, like, one. I, I, I guess I was thinking oh. too hard right now. Okay, so, all right. I just put the whole head we'll of just, the microphone in my mouth. We'll just... That's hot. <laughs> 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 so... <laughs> So, well, uh, <laughs> I hate you. Okay. Um, we're just going to do murders that we find really interesting personally. Okay. All right. And random. And if you don't like it, then too bad. Random dancing. No. No. This is an iCarly. No. <laughs> okay. No. Anyways. All right. Kay. Well, we'll, All right, uh, we'll go there. All right. Okay. Bye. Indict. Bye.